Hi, I am Dana Pavlichko and this is the How We Win This Show. Hi guys, today we have a fantastic guest, Anton Borzo, who is one of the nicest, most wonderful people. He is a fantastic product designer from Ukraine who was snatched away from Ukraine to work in WhatsApp and now he is part of uh, Neva. Uh, Anton, is everything correct? Oh, hi, hi, Dana. Uh, thanks for such a nice introduction. And uh, yeah, mostly things are great. Yes, I was working with WhatsApp for 10 years and then two and a half years with Neva. And now I'm more kind of like not sure what I can say about me because I started doing something of my own just before the war started. And um, right after I switched to some projects that are relevant to help in Ukraine, such as like this fund I'm doing and other stuff. So like, I don't know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not working full time now. So I'm kind of like in between in between doing different things. So let's, before I'm going to ask you about the fund, did you imagine, for example, that 15 years ago that you would be in California watching this crazy war in Ukraine? I don't know. Um, so for me, I guess uh, it began early, similar as with you, like my first um, attention to politics and tension that was there between our countries. First, I think Gongadze's uh, assassination was the first kind of like point in my life where like, oh, this is happening, this is real. So after this, my attention didn't really go anywhere from this question. And here I am now, like I didn't know I would be in California for sure. That's for sure. I was comfortably in Ukraine. I was comfortably in Dnipro. Like for me, it was my home city. And uh, yeah, like I never knew I was doing, I would be doing this from here, from California. (laughs) But here I am and, you know, (laughs) uh, everything happens for a reason, I guess. Uh, but did you expect, did you expect, for example, you know, the level of brutality that we see, we have seen since February 24? No, to be honest, no, I didn't expect the levels of brutality, but obviously uh, I was expecting the level of lies and the level of kind of like twisted narratives and all mm-hmm. of this, because it was not the first time it, it was happening for in history. And then I was like, oh, this is not the first time. Oh, there was kind of like genocide of Cherkessia uh, in 19th century. And before that, there was kind of like all the other countries that were, you know, in similar situations as Ukraine that were uh, struggling and fighting with Russia. I uh, actually... Right before the war, uh, and we we did a podcast with with him recently. We, we met with Andri Klan, and we spoke about Pet Cube having a plan to, you know, for what can happen. And I thought that, you know, it's it's crazy, you know, a, a war, you know, at this level, you know, even though there was a war already in the east, I thought that this is just 
this is just crazy, you know. So to me, it was very shocking. And even though Russia does have this history of brutality in many countries, I'm still shocked by everything that we see even today. You know, that we yesterday there was uh, a horrible, horrible bombing of, of a shopping mall. It, you know, it was, it's, it, it, it's shocking. Yeah, like I definitely need at least a few days to get rid of this shock. It's not, it's not easy to, you know, keep functioning when things like this happen and you still pay attention, you're still in touch with people who live uh, in Ukraine and Kremenchuk and Kiev and Dnipro and Odessa and Kiev, like everywhere, like and uh, every morning here because of um, difference in time, I guess, starts with checking, like, is everyone alive? Like, is... Uh, did new rockets uh, damage any part of Ukraine, etc. Take me through your response, you know, your personal, your family's response, you know, in the last couple of months. Like, what did the Ukrainian community do in California? How did your foundation begin? Because you already have, you know, you had a family foundation and you supported you know, still support many fantastic books that, you know, we do together in Ukrainian, but you started something different that was meant to support Ukraine in need in, in this moment. Right. So I guess uh, first few days, you get a lot of new requests from people who are more socially active and they join uh, regional defense and army and then they have requests because like they are not covered with everything so you see this re request and you, you try to figure out like okay how can I help with them and um, we kind of like had a first order of protective equipment um, in the early March and starting with this order I was thinking, okay, I kind of like have this amazing network of people are sympathetic to Ukraine cause and sympathetic to me personally. So like I was uh, together with other designers from WhatsApp, uh, Taras and Alisa, we just like made this, made this happen and uh, it's still happening. It's not that active as first weeks and months, but you know, still uh, happening. What do you support right now? Uh, right now, there is uh, still protective equipment happening for sure. Like uh, people still need it. Not everyone have it. Like new folks that join Ukrainian army and regional defense and don't have it fully. So ballistic plates, uh, helmets, vests. So this is one part. And then other part is kind of like uh, humanitarian efforts because people still live in areas which are, um, you know, affected. So direct help to the Parisian region, direct help to the Dnipro region with humanitarian uh, first, uh, like, needs, like medical stuff. Uh, and then tactical medicine. And then we had uh, success working with, like, Netherlands, uh, Ukrainian who is sending a lot of um, ambulances to Ukraine. So like we've uh, 
uh, sponsored one of the ambulances to Dnipro region. So that's sad. And then there's also like some connections we still have in tech community in Bay Area. So this helps for sure with uh, dealing with um, how, for example, Meta and Instagram, they uh, a lot of uh, informational warfare happening and Russians have success with blocking and uh, reporting a lot of Ukrainian content. So like... It's not fully visible to guys inside, so they don't know the the full extent of it in in which it's happening. So, like, given Instagram some asks and uh, personal requests from community Ukrainian community who's been banned and reported, it's also like happening. So, yeah, few few efforts. Wow. Some that require just money and. Uh, you know, logistics stuff, because logistics is the hardest these days. Speaking of the tech community, what was the response? What is the response of the tech community? There was a lot of conversations in group chats throughout the Bay Area and tech community. So we did, um, especially in the beginning, uh, a lot of protest movement, a lot of happenings in San Jose, San Francisco, Stanford University, all of them were doing um, every weekend mostly. And this day, these days it's not that often. Uh, it's still happening, but maybe like, you know, initially we were asking a lot, okay, like, let's close the sky, let's arm Ukraine. And then there was kind of like, you know, uh, cancel Russia hashtags, kind of like these days uh, it's less so, but still happening. Like, I definitely see that the... East Coast community uh, still gather more often. This is what I see. Like these days, I think like it's less, less happening on the West Coast. But in the beginning, there was a lot, and then a lot of organizations like Nova Ukraine, uh, like Razom, and then UACC. Um, they still keep doing fundraisers, and then like you know any gatherings of any kind. Do you think these the, the messages that we've seen before, for example, cancel Russia or close the sky, you know, is did that work? Should we be doing something else right now? Yeah, I think definitely works. Uh, even as uh, I have not just Ukrainian friends here, I have friends who are originally from Russia and they escaped uh, the regime like starting in 2014 after Crimea and we keep friends and they're doing a lot of volunteering work for Ukraine. So like even for them to kind of like be able to shout publicly, Putin hello <laughs> on the square, like you have to overcome the internal fear. Like they were able to do this. So like definitely that helps. Like definitely is that uh, transforming where we are, transforming where, you know, in our fight. So yeah, like we should keep doing this. And I've seen there's a... Uh, new initiative about calling uh, Russia as it is, as a sponsor of terrorism and kind of like a terrorist state this day. So I guess it's a new, I guess. So we'll see how, how this uh, works. Yeah, it's a powerful message. Uh, you know, uh, we obviously support it. Um, it looks like, you know, it's big and everyone is, is speaking about this and yeah, I hope it's going to uh, bring results. But at the same time, you can definitely see how people are tired from this kind of messaging, especially people who kind of like are not really affected by war in Ukraine, who live here and just like keep, 
you know, experiencing stuff that is adjacent to whatever is happening to in, in Ukraine. I guess there is a lot of global processes happening. So, you know, the Roe v. Wade uh, Supreme Court decision and other things like hearing about like Trump or yesterday. So it's going in parallel and a lot of attention is there. It's not really on Ukraine anymore. So, but it's definitely related because like Ukraine is fighting the same fight and uh, um, people here are noticing that you don't get to keep the freedoms and uh, democracy for free. You basically have to put effort in protecting this and uh, work. So it's not, it's not free. The democracy is not free. So um, in, this, in this way, I see that it's, it's, it's very similar to what is happening in Ukraine. Yeah, going back to Roe v. Wade, you know, as, you know, I follow what, you know, what's happening, you know, you know in, in the U.S. And it seems that with Roe v. Wade, there's just no room for anything that's happening with Ukraine. Yeah, but again, it's it's day to day. You definitely see kind of like, okay, today you will not be able to squeeze anything about Ukraine. But, you know, you have to allow two, three days and then maybe a week later, there's definitely space to push Ukrainian uh, help for Ukraine, uh, any anything that's kind of like relevant. So we should not give our hope and we should still be working, should still be active. I, I mean, people still understand. <laughs> well, of course, of course. This is, it's, it's, not, it's yeah. not a question of, of you know, of, of being, you know, of, of losing hope. For, for sure, you, you know, you have to, you know, work every day. It's a marathon. It's just very important to understand that the whole world isn't focused on Ukraine. That's true. 24 hours a day, you know. That's okay. I mean, uh, in the end, we keep fighting the same fight and it's not any different. You're just like working towards something that keeps humanity, um, you know, human <laughs> and humane. I, I'm interested to find out from you, what is the depiction of the war in the U.S., for example? Is it a, a, a correct depiction of what is happening in Ukraine? To be honest, I'm not keep. I'm keeping more attention on what is happening uh, in Ukrainian channels and Ukrainian information sources. Uh, the other ways I I'm able to see this is through Twitter uh, reporters and um, um, personalities on Twitter about like how Ukraine is depicted. So maybe I'm not the best person, but in general, it's definitely. It's definitely depicted in a good way, in, 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 in correct, mostly correct way. And in some ways, even before the war started, I guess people here were worried more about Ukraine than it was actually in Ukraine. So like when I was calling my family and friends in Ukraine, they were not that, you know, scared because like he, Ukraine just get got used to living in this, you know, preparation for war. And here it was news, so like people were talking about this, and there were kind of like news reports and Biden, uh, and like information campaigns. So yeah, I guess we are uh, approximately along the same lines. So not a lot of difference, I guess. Uh, when discussion in in this part of 
world is more about uh, gender and racial and other stuff. The war seems like, you know, it's too harsh. You know, <laughs> people here are not expecting and are not ready to talk in, in kind of like our uh, level of narratives, kind of like buying Bayraktars, you know, they're not ready yet. So we'll see how it shifts. Yeah, well, it's different, different narratives, different problems. You know, U.S. has, has its own issues to deal with. So it's just, you know, it's interesting to, to, to think about all these, you know, narratives uh, coinciding and, and understanding what Ukraine has to do to be present in the media and in the minds of people. Right, right. And uh, definitely fundraising is reflected. So I guess people here are not ready to donate to causes like army help. People here are more ready to donate to... I don't know, saving animals and providing shelters and um, doing humanitarian aid. And because like us Ukrainians have different perspective, like it's active war, it's active, you know, um, killings and, you know, blood and destruction. So like we're different in this aspect. So this is what's different about how narratives here and narratives in Ukraine are different. It's a very interesting thought that you mentioned, and I've noticed this as well, that indeed outside of Ukraine, uh, donating to, you know, the military, which we understand and is, is very important. It's, it, it's not as popular. Right. And I've seen people who come from Ukraine, if you know Vitalik Denega, who um, is a founder of Povernes uh, Javim, come back alive. He was uh, actually active in, in fundraising for this very different kinds of donations. And uh, it's good to see that people from Ukraine are actually kind of coming here and trying to find donors for more serious uh, ways of uh, help for Ukraine. What would you tell people around the world, because we have listeners from many countries, how can they help? I mean, just be present for whatever is happening. I, I, this is advice I'm giving to everyone and not be tired and, you know, find energy to be able to listen to whatever people in need are asking. Because needs will shift and... Uh, it's going to transition from one ask to another, but then there's going to be a rebuilding process. So definitely just be aware, be present, be uh, curious about whatever is happening. That's my advice, I guess. Yeah, just don't check out. Yes, if possible. Because it's, yes, don't, don't check out. You know, you're somebody who is very thoughtful and you appreciate the realm of ideas. Is there something that we can learn from this tragedy, do you think? Even now, I'm still thinking that everything happens for a reason. And uh, whatever is happening to people of Ukraine is there to help us become something that we don't see now. And, uh, you know, we'll go through this and we'll be different. Uh, what I would 
like us to stay is to stay, I don't know, um, don't turn into hate. Even when this is happening, even when there is a lot of pain present. So like, I still want our people to keep this hope, keep compassion and not become a full hate mode. So, so you would recommend to continue living with love and not descend into darkness, even though it's very hard. It's very hard. It's very hard. And I, you know, I think the same. And I, even in the darkest moments, we have to remain humans. We have to lead with love. But I realize it's very hard for, for some people. You know, what would you recommend to, to those who who are finding it very, very hard not to hate, for example? Um, I don't know. Maybe because I, I was curious about what people are doing with um, emotions that happen. I've heard of one good strategy from Thich Nhat Hanh's students that are living in Plum Village and friends. So kind of like be present to, for whatever emotion that's happening with you and kind of like acknowledge this and meet it and be present for this. So when you, you know, sit in this anxiety you have, for example, you can, you know, put the hand on your chest and say, hello, my anxiety, I'm here for you. So like, I know you're here. <laughs> I'm not avoiding you. I'm, I'm going to be here with you. So like this presence, I guess... It's definitely helping me with this and uh, acknowledging and be present with whatever is unfolding in you. So, yeah, I hope it helps. I, I don't know if it helps anyone. I, you know, I think I, I, I'm, I'm sure it will help someone. I love, love his books. I, I think read all of his books, if that's possible, many, many, many. And I highly recommend it to to many who find it difficult, who struggle, because he is someone who survived war and survived horrible brutalities, and and yet he he managed to lead with love and you know continue teaching and. Uh, yeah, he's an amazing teacher. He's an amazing teacher, and and it's. I think it's very important for Ukrainians as, as a nation to, to, to continue, you know, on, on a path of love and compassion, even though it's, 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 it's very hard. So definitely check out his books, anyone who is listening and needs, you know, needs some peace and love in, in, in their life. I guess I learned this, like, I, I didn't tell you this before. So like, whatever I, I, I'm telling you now, was not even from books. Uh, this fall, there was a seminar in Stanford about com contemplative practices. So like they treat it as science and they invest in this for sure. And they had guests from uh, Plum Village and this happened during Zooms. Mm -hmm. So like they were kind of like sharing this uh, practices in Zoom calls. Wow. So it was kind of like, yeah, it was wow for sure. <laughs> So yeah, like wow. keep having conversations with whatever is happening in, in your bodies, like because like body is real and reality is real. So like, you know, 
uh, accepting reality is the best practice right now. Wow. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, very, very helpful. And uh, I, it definitely help, help, keeps helping me a lot all the time. I also would like to ask you a couple of questions, you know, about design. Does design have a role to play in, in, in this war? Can we use design for, for the better, for winning, for example? Yeah, I guess uh, I've seen a few directions and ways to practice design to help. Uh, one is, I guess, obvious is creative visual communication. And uh, I've seen group chats and uh, Bandes uh, doing the creative siege uh, effort where it's uh, it's organizing creative briefs for designers to try and communicate ideas through videos, through images, through, I don't know, even copywriting, short copywriting. But then there's uh, um, digital ways to help where um, providing services to citizens. Uh, and then I've seen tech efforts to help uh, military as well. So I guess design in general is a discipline about humans and like uh, designers should understand humans to be able to work effectively. And I guess war is also about humans. This is basically um, whatever is happening between humans. So this designers should be aware of that and use the understanding they have about us to, to help. You live in the heart of innovation. You know, do you think that even though you are surrounded by so many amazing ideas and people and companies that in terms of ideas and innovation, Ukraine is, is doing interesting things, especially in times of war. There is still a lot of startups that are active during these times. And what I see is that uh, even community in Bay Area is trying to help this uh, amazing startup from Ukraine. And there's a lot of cool initiatives like Spend with Ukraine and, uh, you know. So people here are definitely, uh, I've seen a couple funds, uh, VC venture capital funds that are being organized right now as we speak to help uh, companies in Ukraine and companies with Ukrainian founders and like other startups that are that have some relevance to Ukraine. So I, I see a lot of initiatives uh, that happen right now and this in, in tech as well. Even during this, uh, I guess the market here is uh, going in bull direction. So it's, it's not that easy even here, but no, people still help Ukrainians. Final question. Is Ukraine going to win? Yes. I, I have no doubts about that. So you're prepared to spend as, as, as much time as needed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what other choice do we have? Definitely. I think that we don't have another choice and we will win and we have to do everything we can. Even though, you know, news every day 
may not look like it's happening, you still should be um, there for Ukraine <laughs> and still believe that we're going to win. Our thoughts will become reality. And too many Ukrainians know that we are going to win and it cannot be any other way, you, even if, you know, the news cycle may, might be against us. Yeah, yeah. I There's both belief and there's also hope. Of course, of course. Anton, I would like to thank you so much for this conversation. And uh, good luck with everything you are doing. And I hope to see you soon in peaceful Kiev. Let's hope it's happening soon enough. And thanks a lot for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure and a very uh, interesting conversation. And I love having conversations with you. And then even uh, other, uh, you know, activities to do together, like, uh, you know, publishing books and stuff. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's the best making books and talking about ideas and even in this very dark time and it is horrible, but I think, you know, talking to people and, and creating things and creating things that have value is something that, you know, keep, not only keeps you going through this horrible time, but I, I do think all of this will bring us closer to victory and make Ukraine a better country afterwards. That's for sure. Like we have to have something to fight for because like, you know, this is what keeps your hopes high. Definitely, Anton, definitely. Thank you and talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>